At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Good Sunday night to all of you, Duntown listeners. Good to be back on the free cast. If you haven't signed up yet for Duntown Prime, I, I encourage you to do so monthly we're always going to keep that price the same but if you want to sign up for a yearly membership we're going to have a special coming up shortly probably within the next week or so won't be as good as the founding member special but if you want to sign up for a year we'll give you a a much better deal than what is out there right now so let's get right to it here with french point guard prospect killian hayes danny yeah, and Killian Hayes is has an interesting kind of set of measurements and bio. So Hayes, the best measurements I could find, six six five, maybe six six, two sixteen pounds with a six foot eight wingspan. He's nineteen, July two thousand one birthday. So that means he played all of his games at eighteen or younger. And Hayes was uh, born in Lakeland, Florida. His dad's his dad was playing in the ABA, but he grew up in France because his dad signed up with Cholet. And he and Killian Hayes started playing for their under twenty one team when he was 15 he joined their senior team in 2017 shortly after his 16th birthday uh did basketball without borders twice and joined a ratio farm in 2019 which is where we watched the primary part of his film hayes was also the mvp of 2017 phoebe u16 and was got a silver on the 2018 u17 team so he he is french but he has you know has has deep american roots and that led to an interesting thing because his his dad nudged hayes to instead of playing in the u.s which he could have done for high school and or college or going to a french academy instead he's spent a large portion of his youth playing against grown men yeah and he was reasonably effective uh, just uh, some of the top line steps for ratio farm um by the way i will say this after watching film you have not lived until you've listened to the german announcers for a basketball game just the intonation the excitement the interspersion of various english basketball terms in a german accent it's really everything that i had hoped for even though of course i couldn't understand much of it uh, other than the english terms because i do not speak german sadly but the top line stats uh, very interesting they played both in the german league hayes played 20 games there and they played 10 games in the euro cup which is like the level below the euro league yeah uh, so it's not champions league it's oh god i can't remember what the name of the one like europa league? league is yes thank you so uh so you're playing against teams uh, from other countries there as well. And so uh, across all leagues, 591 true shooting percentage, uh, not bad. 12% defensive rebounds. Turned it over incredibly 
high numbers there almost a 25 percent turnover percentage 24 percent usage pretty high for a, a guy's age he was basically the starting point guard for his team and he had a ton of assists uh, as well despite that crazy high turnover percentage which is about as high as i can recall seeing from just about anyone frankly uh but you know that is something that generally improves so we'll talk more about that obviously it had a, a lot of assists uh, as well i mean to average he, he played 25 minutes a game averaged five assists and that's in europe uh, across uh, all competitions where they are a little stingier also a decent uh, if not ridiculous steal rate uh, uh and then from three-point range takes a lot of threes but doesn't make a ton of them 29 percent from three for the lefty but he did shoot for his career he's well over an 85 percent free throw shooter so some reason to believe that that could come around he was taking some pretty difficult uh, attempts so uh, i mean i think we should probably just start uh, for a point guard prospect uh, as a lefty uh, let's talk actually a little bit about more about his physical profile first you mentioned the 6-8 wingspan but 215 that is 6-5 that is a very solid body for a guy who, who played most of this year at age 18 he just turned 19 in july and what did you make of him from a physical standpoint so i i I kind of vacillated a little bit. I mean, there were times when Hayes's, you know, for me, it was maybe more his slipperiness that we had a couple of decent dunks in there. But especially in terms of applied athleticism, I think this is more of a defensive thing than an offensive thing. I didn't see it as much as I wanted to. But remembering that he's not necessarily going against his peers, you know, playing playing in the Euro Cup at 18 years old, and so I, I didn't, you know, he didn't seem like an like a, an above average athlete, especially laterally to me. But there were times where he looked better than you know than than some of the more disappointing ones. So I'd say you know like in the kind of in the average range, but not anything like the the ones that really spark you like for me like De'Aaron Fox like nothing close to that yeah I would say he's probably gonna be below average athleticism for an NBA point guard but he does have a pretty good size to some degree to make up for that but uh you know is he gonna be quick enough to stay with a lot of ball handlers in the NBA you know probably not yeah you know, I think he's gonna struggle to guard a lot of point guards in the NBA just due to his the fact that he's a little bit slow he's not an elite athlete I think he can get a little bit better in that area and I think strength could be something that eventually with that 215 pound frame becomes a, a big plus for him you know physically I kind of saw him as a mix between James Harden and D'Angelo Russell where you know, both those guys have some size he doesn't have the same big wingspan that Harden has and Harden also was much more explosive I think than people remember when he was younger and even you know as recently as 2017 2018 you know he was getting up for big dunks like on Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green in the playoffs and that's not what Killian Hayes is going to do you know if he if he gets a chance to dunk it he'll just go straight in and get a, a little like two-handed flush but you know he's not really going to dunk the ball off of two feet he's not you could never go get an alley-oop you know it's not that type of thing so obviously Harden and Russell those are two lefties Hayes is, as I mentioned is very left-handed but so he, I would say he kind of slots in maybe like one third of the way from D'Angelo Russell to James Harden as an athlete. Yeah, I would, I would say that's about fair. And, and he might have a little better lateral quickness defensively than either of those guys. Although, again, that didn't look unbelievable. We'll talk more about that 
Uh, and the other thing of course for his physical profile is just how crazy left-handed he is i mean he's another one of these guys you've heard me use this term before as a left-handed player who plays very much with his left side forward he spends most of the time out on the floor with the ball basically kind of with his left foot a foot in front of his right foot and when he shoots the ball he turns his body way towards the right sideline he brings the ball up way on the right side of his body as well i mean cameron Payne is another guy a very left side forward guy as well i think his shot and shot prep and release point are very reminiscent of cameron Payne. i would say he definitely has more versatility as far as being able to shoot the step back and stuff like that but uh, he definitely had a couple of right-handed finishes on straight line drives so at least it's kind of there you know rj barrett is another one of these guys who actually uh you know plays left side board a ton so he's definitely like that there's just something about being left-handed where i think for a lot of guys just when you're left-handed you are really left-handed in your brain there's something about that wiring where you don't see right-handed players play with like their whole body facing with their right side forward the way you do some of these lefties so that's something that uh you know and, and Harden I would say is like that a little bit but he's much 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 less extreme uh than Hayes is I mean he's really he I would say I mean can you remember anybody who's like you would say is more left-handed than him like I'd say Payne is really one of the only ones that comes to mind for me yeah I can't remember perimeter player where it's this dark and you even see like when you're watching the film you're just like oh my god he's going left like he's going left every single time and then looking for the pass so much more confident passing with his left hand than his right and you can see the way that oh yeah space the floor right right if he's if that's another thing that's really important if he's throwing the ball a pass from right to left he's almost throwing it with his left hand backhand to like get the momentum behind it right and and that's definitely concerning it is something that can improve with time but it without improvement would make Hayes and Hayes's offenses easier to defend and I think that that's a natural lead-in to the kind of big picture question that I think with especially with somebody who wants to be a point guard at the NBA level is it's always hard to do with a player who's 18 whether they're playing against their peers or they're playing against grown men but trying to evaluate whether the what how likely it is that this person will be able to run let's call it an above average NBA offense when they're 23-24 yeah and I guess we can we'll break it down into the components but overall I really vacillated on Hayes a lot I, I think as I went through it in the beginning particularly because I think expectations have been set a little high because there some people I really respect have been talking about him as a guy who should be in the top five and maybe even a contender for number one and and no I don't believe that he has the athleticism to be that type of a number one engine on a really good offense I more much more likely than not he doesn't get there I mean there might be paths for him to get there but it's it'll be tough I mean I I would think you know if he I would see his ceiling as maybe like a little bit better than D'Angelo Russell that's probably how I would see his ceiling as I talk right now but I you know that's not bad right I mean that's still I I think and I'm not sure that he can be a competent NBA point guard uh and even like a solid NBA point guard but there are some interesting building blocks and when I began I was very focused on the things he can't do some of the left-handedness his lack of speed he can really get pressured up a lot in the backcourt as well that can look really bad some of the turnovers and you know it also seemed like he was kind of very stuck in just certain things that he could do 
and you know drive hard left make a pass with his left hand step back to his right maybe have some pretty good anticipation off the ball get in the passing lanes and then everything else just seemed awful but I I think as I went through it more I began to appreciate his game a little bit more just because I think he's a smart player and I think he has a pretty good intelligence level and and probably plays a little harder than your average point guard I mean it's not that's not gonna be amazing he's not gonna be like a defensive stopper but I think he has a really good understanding for a guy his age and that made me have just a little more confidence that players like that just kind of find a way they kind of figure it out uh and, and he does have some raw skills he does have you know he's making plays where he's outsmarting guys or he's using footwork to surprise people um I, I thought his finishing the more i watched it i became more impressed by it and the numbers on that are actually pretty good uh as time went on even though he's not a, a crazy athlete so i i began to think of him more as like a guy that i do see as a future starting point guard in the league uh where at the beginning i was like man like i don't know about this guy at all like he's just such a weird player and he has so many massive weaknesses right now man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, 
step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us i vacillated too but i'm still a little bit more on the negative side than you are and a part of it is and this might just be calibration off of somebody who's this young playing it playing at a level that that killian hayes was is something that we've we talk about sometimes as, as with shooters but it also can come up come up with passers and that is when he is off he is really off like his shooting misses some of yeah. those are are just jaw dropping in the way that like you you just kind of can't believe it and he has some passes like that too like he has some passes that are just really high and wide and so sometimes that's you know you had the right idea and just don't have the right tool in the toolbox yet and I agree with you that Hayes does he does play intelligently especially for somebody as young as he is so you could see those things get better however what concerns me is generally speaking I I like it when those are are more fine-tuning corrections that need to be made rather than these these larger scale things and we'll get into the jump shot later I want to want to save that for later but like another one that gave me pause was in the kind of the unsorted film watching through it and this changed later on so I'm not saying this was a statement through all of the Killing Hayes film but I didn't see a lot of wow reads for passes and this is part of why I sometimes I watch assists sometimes I watch turnovers is because sometimes those end up especially for young players not working out but it's like well at least you saw something and you tried it and maybe you didn't have the right angle or something else there were some later and he is a good functional passer and there are lots of there are lots of things that I like about Killian Hayes is like kind of passing game but the idea that he's not like in I, I, I mean so I think that people including me at times have prioritized these tall point guards because oh look at what they can do and you, you think about it especially when the term is brought into players who don't defend other point guards like Harden who runs the offense at a different position and with Hayes you see it sometimes but like for example and I'm not saying they're equals as prospects because Marco Fultz was far better as a prospect even though it didn't work out but like Fultz in the first 10 minutes I watched of his unsorted offense Fultz made more wild passes than Killing Hayes did in the first two hours I watched yeah I mean there weren't uh, any where I was just like this is unbelievable but I thought he threw some nice alley-oops I thought he would throw these bouncers every once in a while take some creative angles I don't think that he is going to be an elite passer but I think he'll be solid for an NBA point guard particularly considering his size he also just needs to get more steam on his passes he needs to figure out how to throw passes with his right hand he's got to get that behind the back pass to the pick and pop man he, he definitely needs to add some passes and he's also 
he's going to be more of a pick and roll operator because he's not incredibly explosive and I don't know that he's going to be someone who's going to get downhill and put so much pressure on the defense where they have to rotate over and he's going to open up a lot of passing lanes some he was basically the point guard a, a lot of these games he was the guy controlling up top and then they would run guys off a screen so he did you know his five assists in in Europe in 25 minutes was pretty darn good but some of those were kind of all right the guy came off the screen he didn't really do anything had a couple of nice post entry passes as well he, he did it had a good lob chemistry I think it's also worth talking about his situation as well I think it, it was probably a pretty good situation for him offensively he had the ball in his hands a ton you know there aren't you don't have guys in Europe generally who are like way over 30 percent usage the way you do in the NBA so for his age that is a very high usage at 25 percent and although some of that is because he turned the ball over so much you know that counts that counts in your usage also uh but you know grant jarrett would roll to the basket a lot that was the the main center they had Derek willis as a stretch for so the floor was spaced pretty well uh zoran dragic was also on that team so was archie goodwin hilariously although he didn't start they did, those two guys didn't play as much together so uh yeah i mean i'm not wowed by his passing i think he, he, but you know when you have one guy popping and one guy rolling you have some options i think he did a pretty decent job well, with and, and, those and something i liked about hayes and unusual for an 18 year old is that other than when he got pressured and yeah that's a pretty big caveat Hayes seemed pretty patient you know he would he yeah. didn't usually rush and pick and rolls didn't usually rush the passes would see where things would go kind of knew where things were supposed to be and that is a very good element of a game for a young player because i mean you and i talk about it a lot on the nba cast of these point guards that rush they often put their teammates into problems because maybe you rush and then it's an illegal screen or things just aren't ready at the right time. And so then you you kind of jam things up. And and I do really like that about his. There are a bunch of different things. Like, as you said, like some of the, ba- there's a really nice interior low bounce pass. He had a couple of nice entry passes that I, I did really enjoy. Um, I brought up pass velocity too. So like, it, it's, it's interesting with him. And like Hayes, I think his ball handling can get better. Like he doesn't have a lot of, he's not beating or shaking his guy a lot, but he does have some moves. It kind of seemed like he did them in the abstract sometimes rather than using them to really create separation. That's something that can happen though NBA athleticism is, is dramatically different than what he was facing in, you know, like the German German league in the Euro Cup. So I, I think that they're like with Hayes, and this happens, uh, you know, a couple of times every draft class with people where it's like, you see the path where they could get a lot better, where he could get to be a, you know, a top 20 point guard in the league, maybe even a top 15. I top 10 might be a little bit of push just because of the the physical margin that he's that to me that he's going to have to make up like he would have to maximize like a lot of different parts to get beyond that just because they're always going to be De'Aaron Foxes and Russell Westbrooks and those types of players in the league. So I, 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 I think that I see the positives with him. That's kind of I think why you were vacillating too. And the other big element of Hayes's offense that we haven't got to the big element is his jump shot and well well here I, I got more I want to talk about it on uh, like his dribble game first sure. which, which, which we, we can do that first about. just to for for continuity um I mean this is actually going to be a long one because there's a he's a, a polarizing prospect within his own game as opposed as well as and actually I think it was uh Todd Whitehead at Crumpled Jumper is a good follow uh, on Twitter who tweeted this out. He used to do some work for the Suns uh, that Hayes and James Wiseman are the players with the most polarization, the most inconsistency among 
mock drafts, and I could certainly understand that as I I was vacillating back and forth on him, just watching him you know, for the hours of film that we watched. But uh, as a ball handler, being pressured up in the backcourt is a problem. He's slow. I mean, these are like no-name guards in the German league, like turning him several times in the backcourt. He's getting like run and jumped at half court. There's a play against, or a series of plays against Alba Berlin where he turned it over at the half court line, two plays in a row, just getting pressured up. And, and so I think that, the, and it was clearly on the scouting report. Every team was like, yeah, we got to pressure this guy up. So, um, you know, he'll get a little bit better at that, but it, that's not great, right? Like you don't want to just be getting into your offense with 12 on the shot clock every time because of the fact that he struggles to bring the ball up against the set defense. But I, I did note once he got into the scoring zone that he would have some quick moves every once in a while, like a quick crossover, quick between the legs. Uh, could even actually go to his right for a couple of hard dribbles, although again, finishing with the right hand was very difficult for him. Um, I thought his change of speeds was pretty good. He's not that fast, but he could slow down or speed up in a way which could wrong foot his defender particularly out of the pick and roll and get him going to that left hand and then as a finisher when he would get to the basket when he wasn't able to shake his man and he was contested it could look really ugly he doesn't have a right hand he'd kind of almost shoot like the Jason Tatum like jump shot grip especially if he had to kind of euro step to his right or slow down but if he could get some separation either with going slow to fast a quick attack and finishing you know he had one nice little Nash layup just the extend with one hand where you never put the other hand in the ball in his case the left as it was for every single shot he took basically uh or you know he had a nascent euro step game as well he, he could vary his stride length use longer strides he showed off a little bit of a same hand same foot again on the, the left side finish he had like a nice running hook shot over a guy where he's able to get decent extension with that six eight wingspan which isn't unbelievable but it's still you know that's better than a lot of point guards have so um there were a few things to like there um and, and i think he as he gets stronger you know he'll be able to use his body to create a little bit more space as well maybe he could even like get into the post for a floater he had like a decent floater game uh as well i i thought that could be somewhat of a weapon uh but let's uh let's talk now uh, about that jump shot because again you just you can hate it or you can love it i think I don't love it, at least not right now. I, I think that the so the the kind of the first visual that that bothered me with Hayes is that on his jump shot, his arms are a little far outside his body. It's not as extreme as Lonzo Ball, but it kind of there are times where it feels the same way it's like it just you're, seems, you're talking about like his, his elbows flying yeah, out like his elbows flying out and um his lower half you know like it seems okay other than the thing you talked about where it, sometimes it seems like he's like leaning and moving laterally as he's jumping which really hurts Hayes's consistency um and also Hayes the release on his catch and shoot is a little slower than I would like I think that's correctable I think that I and I would actually expect that part of it to be to be corrected there's plenty of incentive to to get that right and I, I'll say since I'm talking about catch and shoots, I'll bring this in. One of the one of my favorite small things about Hayes's game, and you wouldn't expect this for somebody as ball dominant as he was at Ratio Farm this year, is he does a really nice job when he's off ball. You know, like some of that kind of like Steph Curry pass the ball, run around a bunch, and then get a look. Like Hayes Hayes does that, and I'm I'm guessing that was coaching and you know him applying yeah. applying the, the scheme. The, there were flashes that I mean, there were also possessions where he would do the James Harden. I'm not involved. I'm going to stand 40 feet from the basket. Also true, but but yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, it, you know, again, you're you're basing it a lot on flashes with him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, there were a few times where he would recognize that his defender was engaged and make a nice cut uh, along the arc and uh, and get open. Uh, but so what so I the th- the thing for killing for killing Hayes, and this was especially true for me on his pull up, and it doesn't it, this isn't always a negative, but it's usually a negative. Like for example, it is not with Clay Thompson, but Clay Thompson is a freak in terms of shooting. Is that killing Hayes? Like I. I, a lot of times what I like in my head, I like to take a snapshot of like when a guy is going up and okay, piece together what I know about circumstance. How close is the guy defending him? How well, how under control is he? Is it a catch and shoot? What's the situation? And with Hayes, I had real trouble predicting whether a shot was going to go in or not. And generally, like, so it wasn't like, oh, everything where he was set, it looked good. And then when he was rushing, it was bad or anything like that. It was, there was, it was kind of like less internal consistency with it. And so that can run out a lot of ways. One that can, that can just stay inconsistent, but also it's like, oh, well, if you iron out, if you iron out something, maybe that, maybe you can work something there. Like the ability to make some tough shots is actually kind of a good thing. And that's why I invoked, you know, the, the Clay Thompson thing, because Clay Thompson is like the best, best bad footwork shooter at times that, that I've ever seen. Um, and Killian Hayes is not that by any stretch of the imagination. But so like you kind of see that a little bit in the numbers. So Hayes, um, he had 84 points on 85 pull-up possessions. That's 77 percentile, about a point per possession. Pretty good. I, I, you'd be totally happy with that. But then the 29% on three threes per game overall, and also below 0.7 points per possession on 36 catches shoot 25 of which were listed as unguarded by synergy and so I, i'm not sure yeah, how to eat out eight out of 36 on catch and shoot jumpers that's uh 22 percent, folks and, yeah it's not great and and it was it like i mean just watching a couple of his catch and shoots like because we watched the film first before we looked at the stats i was like oh man his catch and shoot numbers are gonna be terrible because he just his shot prep is awful uh it's totally inconsistent as you mentioned he shoots it for like his catch and shoots you know he'll kind of one when he one twos into it it looks really bad it takes him forever to get it off he's got an incredibly low release from three that he basically is shooting it almost off of his sternum and he starts it really low too and he brings it up on the right side of his body there's uh you know it's really just i don't know if he just didn't work on it enough i mean the good news is like catch and shoot is one of the the easiest things to work on and he made more shots off the dribble but i mean it was just like and he had as you mentioned just some atrocious misses so it's uh I, i guess the question is can he fix that Maybe. And also, I don't know if you saw this. I, I have it in my notes, and I, it's as a question, not as a statement. Does he shoot on the way up? There were times where it looked like it, like he was shooting it a little bit too early as well. That might have just been the whole, it, the ball coming from the sternum, just totally messing yeah. with my equilibrium. But yeah, it was, it, yeah, there were, there were some challenges, some challenges there. And then the other one, which is kind of more shot selection rather than shooting mechanics, is that especially early on I was noticing that Hayes was settling way more than I would like for his floater his floater doesn't look terrible when it's like the the fully realized version of it but it to me was a reminder of his comparative lack of athleticism that he was you know you can't get by your guy a ton but you settle for like the free throw line or maybe like one step in from the free throw line floater instead of driving and forcing help or getting yeah. something he, he's team. not going to challenge the big in any way if the big is at the room like he's going to go for that floater which is you know it's not a terrible shot for him but like he is not going to go into the chest of someone and finish like that's not a part of his game at all Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear 
formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about with Hayes' offense? Yeah, yeah, a couple of things. I mean, I, I got some more to talk about it oh. on the shooting. Um, oh, yeah, I'll, we'll go there and then I have something else. Yeah, so I think he, every once in a while, when he would really hop into his shot, it could look a little bit better uh, as far as his catch and shoot. I mentioned that he was able to move without the ball a couple of times to get open for those type of plays. Uh, you know, he didn't have a lot of urgency to his release. He just has to get more consistent. I mean, if he can just make his shot more compact, hop into it, quick release. Now, the low Low release is also a problem, right? I mean, that's that's something where it, he's six five, but he's shooting at at like you know the level that a five nine guy would shoot it from. So he definitely could get contested late and bothered, I think, and that's led to a lot of his bad misses as well uh, on some of those shots. But it's off the dribble shooting. That's one of the things. If you like Hayes, that's probably the thing that's most intriguing to you. And he has a James Harden-like step back, at least in terms of his footwork. He's creating that type of space. He clearly has worked on it to get the footwork right, to be on balance pretty well. Now, when he shoots that shot from three, he still has that pretty low release. He's creating a lot of space, but he needs it to get that shot off. But I think you know having that move is something that might eventually separate him from someone like D'Angelo Russell who you know doesn't really have a great way to get his shot off in isolation I think Hayes with the amount of ground he covers could do that uh, and then I also thought it was intriguing and, and you know most of that step back of course is going to his right uh, but he's kind of you know like James Harden he's got the hard drive left and then he can also step back to his right he even tried a couple of step backs going left but I with the way he shoots it off his right hip it's just really hard to shoot as a left-hander off your right hip going left so uh, you worry a little bit about the versatility of that shot there um but he clearly has like worked on his footwork and has a level of imagination and he's doing some stuff that other guys aren't doing right like that's part of what you're gonna like about Hayes if you're a Hayes fan then the other thing I thought was interesting is when he gets into about the free throw line then he actually would shoot more of a traditional jump shot with a higher release and you see this with a lot of young players that they don't have something consistent and there's no way he's obviously going to get that low release shot off which is more of a push shot I think he just maybe developed that from three because he just needed the legs to get there so on his float on his you know say a 12 footer pull up jumping over the defense like then he'll shoot it with a little bit of higher release again that was kind of an inconsistent release there and then the other thing i wonder about is is he gonna 
be able to have truly deep range. You know, is he going to have the range of yeah, someone it, like it Harden? Seemed, it seems like it takes a lot for him to get off a three, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I do think like the nascent abilities that he's shown with like the footwork on the step back to get himself open to make a decent number of those. But then there's also the inconsistency on catch and shoot. There's the low release point. There's the bringing, not only does he have a low release point, but he's basically like starting the shot like below his waist on the right side of his body as well. So that like, it takes him a long time to get it off on some of these. And he's also has a low release point. So I do think that if he's going to reach his potential, he's got to do some surgery on that jump shot. And hopefully his release point could look a little bit more like it looks on that pull-up two-point jump shot. Uh, And I mean, he's going to have the strength to shoot that eventually, but the way that he shoots it is pretty inconsistent. You mentioned the elbows flying out. That leads to a lot of super long, super left, super right misses, as does the fact that he can be bothered with that low release point by a late closeout in a way that a lot of guys aren't. So uh, you, you just have to say, hey, this guy's 18. He's got great natural touch. He shoots it over 85% from the line. He's willing to take long shots. He has kind of the feel for it but he's got to just be willing to reform his jump shot a little bit. But just the coordination and the raw building blocks, if you're a believer, you could say, hey, this is, you know, he could be a guy who's going to hit 36% on these very difficult step back threes and it could create some space for it with a stronger body. Maybe he'll even develop some what of a post-up game or the ability to kind of shove off and use his body Joe Johnson style in the mid-range to get some looks as well if he needs to, um, you know, in a way that say D'Angelo Russell doesn't because D'Angelo Russell is so much thinner um you know Hayes I think is going to be a a guy who's pretty strong for his position so um that's I spent a lot of time on that and sorry I had to empty out the notebook there but that is the biggest swing skill I mean if, if you're talking he has enough other elements that if he's becomes like a real plus shooter you got something there I mean you don't have a top 10 point guard but you have a guy who can score and can distribute pretty well and can be a, a nice offensive weapon and as you said the building blocks are there that is far from a guarantee I mean we've seen we've seen guys with with better building blocks not make it as a shooter especially with the difficulty of some of these attempts a couple other just quick notes on Hayes's offense before we get to his defense at least briefly you you talked about change of speeds my favorite part of Hayes's kind of ball handling game was his hesitation didn't do it a ton but I just like the way that wrong-footed guys and it's it's encouraging I mean especially because and Luca is such a fantastic example of this change of speeds is actually more valuable in certain respects for somebody who has less top speed because it's it's one of the other ways that you can catch guys off balance right and so Hayes knowing kind of identifying that using an opponent's tendencies against them is a good thing um also while I was frustrated by Hayes you know basically choosing floaters over driving at especially at rim protectors his and ones were actually pretty good you know like what what the times when it did happen he finished through contact so you, you hope that yeah in time that will get better a, and a lot of plays where guys would like try to strip him they wouldn't get it they'd hit him on the arm and he was still able to go up and yeah, finish exactly and and so those are those are real positives and then they're you know it can become a more frequent part of his game and hopefully lead to increased efficiency but you know as we've said 16.5 per 59 true shooting on 24 usage and that crazy like 39 percent assist percentage um hayes's defense well, I, here, here I, I still got more sorry okay <laughs> i you, um, you used the phrase empty the notebook so i i, I kind of thought i'd move on yeah, he doesn't really. Well, I I emptied the notebook, but only about his shooting. I still, I still have more. I'll, I'll try. I'm sorry. I'll try. No, to keep dude, it brief. So, hey, 
I, I'm fine with it. I mean, we we did the work. We might yes. as well share it, right? So, so you know, he doesn't quite have the put the guy in jail moves yet. You know, snaking the pick and roll, the, that sort of stuff. I, I have no doubts that he will learn that in time. As a transition player again you know he's not going to push the ball down your throat he'll do some hit ahead passes you know he would like after a turnover he would hit guys streaking down the floor with some nice passes on occasion and, and he would get in the passing lanes enough that he could even start his own odd man breaks a fair amount uh, with his own steals but off of off of misses not going to be just like running it down your throat at, at all so that's always something to keep in mind part of a, a point guard's job is to get you easy points in transition and you know i don't think that's particularly a strength of his and then just generally on the turnovers which again are you know crazy high but you know the guy's 18 years old playing in in a league against men you know guys who have played in the nba and had some of those on his team as well but you say, ah, you know, turnovers, those goes down. It's not the end of the world for a point guard who's young. And I agree with that to a point. Statistically, those are that's one of the biggest things that improves for young ball handlers. But some of his turnovers weren't necessarily errors of commission where it's like, okay, you saw the pass. You just couldn't quite get it there. You know, you, you got to learn that you can't get it through this window type of stuff. There certainly were plenty of those, but there were some where it was just like, he wasn't even trying to do anything and he just got stripped, right? Like some of those full court plays or just where you try to beat a guy and he would just get his pocket picked. Stuff stuff where it's like, oh man, this looks really bad. Like you weren't even trying to do anything really here and you just got the ball taken from you. And so those types of turnovers, yeah, those will go down with experience a little bit. But it's also a concern when you can just be made to look that bad. But he also had times where he could look really good as well. So, yeah, let's talk defense now here. Uh, we've alluded to it some in terms of his physical profile, but what did you see there? I actively didn't like the defense that we saw from Hayes. And really, the issue was a lack of applied athleticism. I mean, Hayes is six foot five. He, when defending point guards, he does have that size advantage, though he doesn't have the quickness and, you know, lateral quickness, especially to me, advantages there. But it was just, he wasn't physical enough. He wasn't really getting into guys. It was a, a play where he, he died on a screen that wasn't even set particularly well and that's always a real point of frustration for me and not doing enough to really affect his cover you know the part of what defense is is you're not going to take away everything but you try to take away some things and I I, I got frustrated that he had that some bad fouls on jump shots and got wrong it was a funny part in the offensive film where he got really badly wrong footed but a steal happened right after so he ended up getting a transition basket out of it but I was like ooh that was bad that was actually the first piece of Killian Hayes defensive film that we saw so I, I think think that so there are two interesting questions here one is you know like how much of this can be cleaned up and i think the answer is a fair amount that said my instinct is hayes might be better defending twos than ones at the nba level just because he's, oh yeah he, he, i mean you're he's gonna be bad if he's guarding ones so yeah. i think that, that it just doesn't have the quickness and he's ne- and he's never gonna guys. get it like that's there there isn't there isn't like a form fix to make him be well suited for those kinds of matchups, and and Hayes at six foot five, I think, especially if he gets stronger, which he will, and he might even get taller at this point, then he can. I think he can hold his own there, and we'll see how he can do. Is like a switch. There were a couple times where he, you know, did a decent job fighting on a post up. You know, not not anything particular. It, it was. I would say that that film was kind of more positive than negative. I guess. Yeah. 
I, I mean, he's going to get stronger, so I think that'll be yeah. That that can be a relative strength for him. But that gets into uh, so I'll actually I'll let you talk about his defense, then I'll get into the big picture thing that that relates to. Yeah, and I don't know that I'm incredibly low on it. I think his effort level for a guy with his offensive load and his age is pretty good. I think that's one of you mentioned that his dad wanted him to play in Europe, and I think it's definitely the case. You know, there are many good things that happen in the American development system, but whole holding young star ball handlers accountable generally is not one of them whereas if you're playing for Ulm or, or whatever you're just you're gonna have to defend you know you we saw that with Abdia as well and some of the other guys who have uh, come out of the EuroLeague but yeah Hayes in, a, in an isolation he could definitely get blown by he kind of is up on his toes leaning forward a little bit too much can't get into that great of a stance I did think on pick and roll defense he at least tried to compete and he's got pretty decent hands like you know there are some plays where he would get screened off but he'd keep trying to compete and wouldn't necessarily block the shot from behind but he would try to reach in and, and get a steal because he did stay engaged in the play I also think his work in the passing lanes is pretty good and again just you know a guy who has some pretty good feel overall as a player and he wasn't doing much as a traditional help defender coming over and making plays but he would kind of make plays coming off of his man in the passing lanes or getting getting a deflection on passes around the perimeter and he definitely was way too glued to his own man a lot of times and, and not really helping that much and some of that might have been scheme where he's guarding a shooter I can't say I know the personnel of the players he was guarding incredibly well but the number of plays he made were okay he's on the back side of the pick and roll he comes in there uh, makes a play and help defense you know that was very limited he could do more there and I think he will be taught to do that and will learn to do that and has the intelligence to recognize it and do that but to get into what you're going to transition to if he can't guard a good pick and roll point guard on the other team then what does that mean for your team? It's a big problem. And I, I think that with, with Hayes, you with the, the so thinking about this from the star starter bust kind of framework that, that I've been throwing out there a fair amount during our draft previews so far this year, it becomes a bigger problem the lower you are there because then the the juice that you're getting isn't as isn't as worth a squeeze because you can you can move heaven and earth for a player as good as James Harden. Like, the Rockets basically have their defensive scheme because James Harden can't really do anything else. And that is completely the correct decision because James Harden is either the best or maybe the second best regular season offensive player in the NBA. Killian Hayes, probably not going to be that level. And that's why, to me, Hayes' star potential is extremely low is because he doesn't have that level of athleticism. There is so much surgery that has to happen on his jump shot to get it to be good, much less truly great or anything like that. So I think I think the path to stardom is low. Maybe the path to stardom, you've, you've brought up D'Angelo Russell a fair amount. I think it actually might be fairly similar where it's like maybe undeserved to start him in that and Hayes has a lot of the connective tissue that I do really like so if you can kind of piece that together he gets more gets better physically and everything else could get there however the positive for Killian Hayes is while the star the star possibility is pretty faint there's a lot of I think there's there's a fair amount of runway for him to be a reasonable starter in the NBA yeah, I, I think that's true. It, it's just, it's really hard for me to see incredibly high-end upside unless he somehow gets a, a lot more athletic. And, you know, another another comp I kind of had for him 
is like a less athletic Goran Dragic. Dragic was actually extremely athletic when he was younger. In some ways, it's kind of more similar to what Dragic is now as an athlete, but still, you know, left-handed, but able to use some Euro steps, work into the mid-range a little bit, uh, still a, a solid finisher just because he knows the angles and knows how to change speeds and solid shooter um you know maybe that's your absolute best outcome and you know i think defensively Dragic is a decent cop for him as well uh, as far as what i would uh, expect from him um so yeah i i mean i think it'll be we'll talk more about this when we do our board but uh, i think him or halliburton will be a very interesting question for a lot of teams i would say I will I will tease that with one point that I have appreciated Tyrese Halliburton more having watched film after Tyrese Halliburton <laughs> because yeah. my like for example like the wow passes critique that I had of Killian Hayes like even though most of them were in transition because Halliburton's passes in the half court didn't inspire me a ton Halliburton had more of those but they're very different players and and I do think that will be a a worthwhile discussion and as always the draft board is a very and it will we'll reemphasize the importance of tiers I think tiers will be exceedingly important in that exercise oh we should talk briefly about the the bust side of it i think that we, we've kind of gotten at a lot of that through the course of this the jump shot isn't quite there he teams don't have to respect him enough off ball and then he doesn't have enough burst on ball to be the engine of an offensive te- to be an engine of an offensive team and then if he's a you know if he's better on the second unit than the first then that's more of a dime a dozen player than if he can start oh yeah if the jump shot is not a major weapon for him he's gonna suck i think that's pretty clear at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's talk about the offseason for the LA Clippers. Mr. LaRue, what do their finances look like going into what is probably going to be a critical offseason for them? It's kind of nice to do the Clippers because in some of the normal kind of constraint factors, the Clippers just, they just aren't that complicated. Their best players are going to be on roster next year. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, it's hard to imagine a circumstance where those guys are not on the team, at least at the start of next year, but really at the end of next year as well. They also, are not constrained by the luxury tax in the way that a lot of other teams are because it appears that Steve Ballmer is willing to pay and when you are a championship contender you absolutely should and and also because one of the Clippers you know most important free agents there actually isn't that much flexibility in terms of what they can offer him salary wise and so functionally speaking if you want to say kind of like where are the Clippers they're going to be over the tax I would assume they will pay the, or they're over the cap. I assume they will be over the luxury tax as well, which affects certain things like the uh, mid-level exception. And that's nice. You know, they don't have that. They also don't have draft picks to work with. They only have 57, which, okay. Um, Because they, they traded their first round pick for Marcus Morris, who's going to come up very, very soon. So like they, they don't have a lot of kind of that traditional flexibility. There aren't a lot of leverage points in the, oh, they have a top 10 draft pick. They have cap space. They have trade exceptions. None of that kind of stuff. 
But every decision Warren's Frank in this front office makes is extremely important because they are a championship contender and because their two best players are only under contract for one more year because then they both have player options. Yeah, and those players obviously are maybe moving into a phase where they could quickly not be as good as you need to be to win championships. And the two big swing points, of course, are the free agencies of Marcus Morris and Montrezl Harrell. Basically, if you bring back both of those guys, there's no way that they could use the full mid-level exception of around 9.2 million. They'd be limited to the mini mid-level. I think there's a decent chance they would spend that. I mean, there's still, Ballmer is probably only looking at increasing luxury tax bills and you question particularly with the depth on this team whether it'd be worth spending a lot more but you'd think you know they'd go at least as much as 15 million over the tax if they were to bring back marcus morris for we'll call it 15 million and mantras harold for you know his cap hold is 11 you know we'll say that that's where it would start for him then they would be about seven million or so into the tax and they would have 12 players under contract assuming that jamichael green were to opt in he's got a five million dollar player option let's begin with marcus morris they have non-bird rights on him since he was coming off a one-year contract and that will enable them to even though they're over the cap to pay him up to an 18 million dollar starting salary it seems very likely that he would stay i don't do you see a team out there that would offer marcus morris more than the fullman level except the only one for me is maybe the Knicks. <laughs> Just yeah, I mean, I it would yeah, it well, wouldn't. St- you could you could see maybe Morris would be like, hey, you know what, like. I want to just go somewhere for one year, just like I did last year, and collect another fifteen million or so if the Clippers' offer is lower. But it, it seems like they're going to match whatever is out there. Yeah, them, yeah and they're and they're a championship contender, and and Morris could be in their closing five, depending on depending on the construct for that specific game. And I actually think that the non-bird rights facilitate could facilitate a deal getting done because they can say we can't go above eighteen. Like there's there's no universe where the Clippers can go above eighteen million, and they can only do five percent raises per year because well well, yeah but they're uh, like i mean obviously if they pay him 18 over any decent number of years he's going to take it but i think they're going to try and get him for less but what i'm and and i think they will too but what i'm saying is like that you're you're the the negotiating points you know sometimes it can be about anchoring there isn't as far for him to anchor he can't demand 20 million and you have to be like oh god we have to talk about for that you know everything else like that so i I think that it will be but you're right i mean the, the lack of external leverage i think will be the larger factor in bringing things towards a number the Clippers are happy with because I don't think the Hawks are particularly interested or the Pistons or the Hornets and the Knicks are the ones that might be and also teams this this came up in the uh, Davis Bertans section when we talked about the Wizards earlier in the week sign in trades you know teams wield a lot of wield a lot of power there and if the Clippers don't really want to play ball they don't have to and the, whether they you know there isn't as a concern with be with base your competition here but I, I I could imagine the Clippers would be like we'd rather have you back than create a trade exception or something like that so they could take a lot of teams off the table there i don't think morris is good enough that another front office is going to clear cap space just to get him so yeah i i I think that you'll end up there and that's why i think montrez harrell is the more compelling discussion because well well, here let me finish up with one thing on morris i think harrell to some degree to me does matter because if they don't have harrell 
then I would say you're you've got a incentive to lower what you're paying Morris in that first year, and maybe you'd go out more years to enable you to use the full mid level and stay under the hard cap, which is about six million dollars over the luxury tax line. Uh, so you might want to say, hey, we'll we'll pay you more in the later years. We want you lower this year so we can use that full mid-level exception, and which obviously could be a very powerful tool for this team. Um, otherwise, you might say, hey, you know, we're probably better off just paying you more in the first couple of years and then maybe having a non-guarantee in the end. My guess is it's going to end up somewhere around $40 million guaranteed. I don't know what the year structure is going to be, but that would be my best guess is, is what he, that's what he's going to get. I think it'll be closer to 45, but the general contours, I think we pretty much agree. Um, okay, but you wanted to move on to the free agency of Harold. Yeah, and why Harold's more compelling to me is because there is a less clear argument that he even needs to be on the team at all. And that that's crazy for a guy who was just crowned the sixth man. And, and the first inclination would be that's a lot of recency bias considering Harold was not himself in the bubble. And that was... And that was a big part of the problem for the Clippers. And I agree with that. And I think that there is there is an element of the problems of, of that non-representative time factor again. But you and I were both skeptical of Harrell's place on a championship level team long before Orlando. And it's because he doesn't play defense well enough to be in the closing five on a good team. And offensively, there are times that it absolutely works, but there are absolutely times that it does not. And a center who does not who who does not close games on a team with this level of expectations, that would be different on a team, let's say like the Charlotte Hornets, where they're they're not going to be in this kind of circumstance. It's better to have him than to not have him, but it's more challenging when there are other real sacrifices that are going to come, even if your owner is basically made of money. Yeah, and one of those sacrifices could be using the full mid level. And we can talk about, you know, if you're if that's your decision, would you rather have Harold and the mini mid level, or would you rather have someone at the full mid level? You know, who's out there for that? We'll, we'll talk about that. But you know, I think that's one of the discussions they're going to be having. My thought though is maybe they can capitalize on him being as bad as he was in the bubble and maybe that offer isn't going to be there right you just think of other than charlotte or maybe detroit you just don't see the team that's going to offer him above the mid-level and honestly i mean are there that many teams out there that really are even going to offer him the full mid-level you know certainly over over four years you know he's he's sort of a tough fit uh and but i would say that if you can take advantage of the fact that his value is artificially at an nadir, both because of this market that's so crazy right now with the pandemic and it wasn't, it's not a big cap space year anyway, and because of his artificially bad performance in the bubble and get him on a decent contract. Number one, they just kind of need salaries, I think, uh, of guys that they want to move. I guess they've got Beverly and they've got Lou Williams too. So maybe that's not as much of a conception as I And Roddy McGruder. <clears throat> yeah. So, but it, it's nice to be able to have those all together. And I think he's someone who could have positive trade value on a contract that they sign him to particularly if it's longer term maybe you could get some nine guarantees on the end where hey i mean if you tra- wanted to trade lou williams and bunchos Harold to a team i mean that could just be like your offense right like that's that's a combination that could get your offense into being like a solid playoff level of offense as we saw with this team two years ago and 
I guess the, the question becomes, uh, so I do think if Harold's price is reasonable and you know, what is that? That's 9 million, 10 million a year, you know, again, something in the 30 to $35 million guaranteed, maybe that type of range. I would pull the trigger on bringing it back. Now he may just want to go somewhere else and maybe start. I don't know if another team wants him to be the starter though, because of his defensive limitations, um, but he could at least be the finisher somewhere else. If your choice is Harrell and mini mid-level and Harrell is on a decent contract, right? I mean, if you know if he's going to get $16 million a year from Charlotte, then all right, your decision is made for you. See, see you later. But if it's a decent price, would you rather have Harrell and the mini mid-level? Or would you rather have the full mid level? This requires a you know a discussion yeah, let, let's about, go about and see who who's could, out there, right? basically basically so the the question is who is potentially available for the full mid level, which is nine to ten million, who would not be available for the mini mid level, and also worth mentioning that the Clippers could potentially, if they're you know let's say they're getting up to the ten million dollar range, there could be a player who is expecting more money than that who is willing to take it they are a, you know they are a championship contender that depending on what happens with marcus morris could have minutes to offer they could even potentially have a spot in the closing five but there there isn't really a to me a great fit a because partially because yeah. well, well let's talk about what they need i mean i think okay. that let's say let's say they lose harrell what do they need they need a backup center you don't need to spend uh, the full mid-level on that guy obviously but if you could get a center that you like better than than zubats then that would be an option i'm not sure yeah i mean all right if if uh you know if serge Ibaka is willing to come there for the full mid-level okay yes yeah, so you sign me up for that right. but uh, you know or marcus Gasol wanted to come out or something like that it's an uh although Gasol, uh, yeah i mean he, he'd be i mean he'd be an okay fit with with leonard and george but uh he moves the ball well and he's played yeah, the, with leonard those before. are yeah i mean those are probably the only two guys i would think of as being like an upgrade on simply just bringing back harrell and there are plenty of you know decent enough backup centers um but really you know, it, it is yeah. these guys that we expect to get a lot more money than that going down like danilo gallinari sure no no brainer if you could get him for 10 million dollars a year you do it but if it's yeah, he might like to be back in la but if it's mo harkless no if no. it's you know even like some of the some of the kind of small forwardy guys that we like they're not great fits for this team either and the point guard class is i mean i would if there was a point guard that was potentially in that 10 million dollar range that i i liked as a you know somebody who could shoulder some of the playmaking burden even if they're not going to be in the closing five yeah i could imagine that but it, it when when the drop is basically from goran dragic to dj augustine that's exactly that middle range where you would want somebody to be and there's no one there yeah i think they i would absolutely make an offer of three years at the mid-level for goran dragic sure and he doesn't even need to necessarily start for you you could just kind of take it easy with him during the the offseason or, or i'm sorry during the they, they treated the regular season like the offseason last year but um yeah i mean there's nobody else where i'm like man this guy is so much better and then you look also at the fact that they you know let's say in the 2021 offseason if you wanted to have harrell under contract as a guy that you could move and then you also attach your 2021 pick at the draft for example like maybe that package could get you something as you're trying to retool as george and leonard hopefully resign um yeah i mean other than Dragic, 
you know, Paul Millsap is like a small ball five. Would you rather have him than Harrell? I don't know the answer to that at this point. Obviously, well, also, Gallo. Also, yeah. Harrell is Harrell is younger. I mean, he's been in the league for a while, but he's 26 and unrestricted. Paul Millsap, 35. Right. Yeah, that's an important thing too, right? I mean, this is a good 26-year-old player who, I mean, I still think holding on to him is more about the asset. And, you know, Zubats can't play. He's going to play 25 minutes a game. Like he's, well, and, you know, and thank, thank you for kind of getting there. This is the other important truth is that Montrose Harrell makes the Clippers a better team in the regular season, even if... If he's not as useful in the playoffs, still have to get there. Still have to get the best seed you can. Yeah. And again, I thought he took some strides forward defensively this year. He obviously was atrocious. He obviously is not going to guard Nikola Jokic if that's the matchup. Uh, uh, and his pick and roll defense against Luka Doncic was pretty rough too. You know, you, you have to spot him in the playoffs unless you just have this all offense team and you don't have anyone else like they did in the 2019 playoffs. But if you're really trying to actually stop people, you could run into problems with Harold going against LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I really don't. You know, here, I've, right, I've, yeah, got, I've got one for you. Show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming he cares more about being on a competitive team than being on the Washington Wizards. What if Davis Berton says, I will play for however, whatever the number of years can be negotiated for two of you, but he would come for the full mid-level. Yeah, like over like the full four years. Yes. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, maybe maybe that's enough. Bertans has made you know like fifteen million or so so far in his career, so not not that much. Uh, money may be more important to him, but you know we'll see how important the LA lifestyle is uh, as well. And Bertans is he going to be in your closing lineup? You know maybe not. Um, even Gallo to me brings some problems defensively. Like yes, he could space the floor, but you know you're not really using his isolation ability at all at the end of games in your closing unit. He's just spacing the floor, and then he can be attacked defensively. I guess you would just need a center around him. Like Gallo really limits what you can do. You know in terms of your versatility defensively. Still a good player to have on that contract. You know I, I would imagine for if he does come there, he would probably just get a one plus one at, at the mid level. Um, so uh, we should probably t- anything else in terms of mid-level candidates there or maybe we could talk about uh jermichael green briefly yeah we can get to green so he has a five million dollar player option or he could opt out and be an unrestricted free agent and the clippers could then bring him back with bird rights if they want to and i think they would have sufficient they'd have sufficient bird rights to give green the kind of contract he would demand other places and it is possible that the coaching change gives green more reason to return whether that is on on an opt-in or a new contract because it seemed like Doc Rivers wasn't going to play him, but maybe Ty Lue felt differently. Yeah, maybe. And maybe they'll do more of those Jermichael Green at the five, switch everything type of units. Uh, and, you know, I think Green's market is probably going to be right around what he would be making. Uh, his agent will have some work to do on that one. And he's made a reasonable amount of money in his career. So the risk of like, okay, if he gets the minimum, it costs him three million bucks. That's not, you know, a crazy amount uh, for him to have the freedom to go where he wants but i don't know that a team is going to give him a starting position necessarily also i think part for him is going to be whether harold sticks around or not he won't know the answer to that necessarily maybe he'll have some idea by the time he has to make a decision on that player option um the other thing too is that they will have bird rights to give him a raise if he opts out and so maybe he could just opt out and resign for six and a half million or something like that you know just it's all more steve Ballmer's money unless they're dealing with the hard cap situation what do you think is this team's biggest need right now because i think the other thing we need to talk about obviously
obviously is the potential for a trade. Yeah, and I think that's relevant. Uh, I, I don't know if it's necessarily their biggest need, but the one that the, and and it might be that you know there was some some discussion of this in the pieces that you and I I think that might have been Shams's inside pass. I can't remember exactly where that was. The idea that Kawhi thinks it'd be good for them to have a point guard. I do think right. having somebody who can run the offense. Yeah, it was Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. That, that's right. Thank you. Um, that having somebody else who can run the offense, who can you know, who can initiate other than PG and Kawhi, would be would be a huge benefit for them. It might not be as relevant when they want to go to Kawhi Sabal in in the key moments of the playoffs, but it that's another way that you can take miles off the tires of of a star player is by just you know, it's appropriate that we're doing this after talking about Killian Hayes in the first segment, where you know, lowering a player's usage can can actually make things more viable for them. And the good news for the Clippers is there are plenty of point guards that can do that, especially if you're not necessarily demanding that they be in the closing five of a championship team. But the hard thing is there aren't many in the free agent class and there and you can't really draft somebody for that because it's going to take them longer to get there so it's it's a different conversation yeah and you think it would probably have to be through a trade if they can't get Dragic with an aggressive offer one thought might be and they've got Magruder as matching salary Lou Williams you know I think they still would like to keep him around he's got some value again another guy for a team who just needs a ball handler to get into the playoffs that has some value and Patrick Beverly is there are some of their other trade assets with 13 million but he's kind of more of a matching salary you're guessing that a team that is willing to give up a good player who's going to help the clippers doesn't need a like veteran role player like patrick beverly back green could be part of a package if he opts in of course um you know not a lot of these guys have a crap load of value landry shamet it could his value is probably lower after his rough bubble performance as well so you know lou williams is probably their best piece they cannot trade a first round draft pick right now their pick from this year is owed to new york in the marcus morris deal and then they cannot trade a first until the 2021 draft due to the deal that they made with the thunder for paul george so they have like a few things that might be interesting to teams but they don't really have a ton in terms of future assets i mean beyond kevin gale i'm not sure he's uh titillating anyone nor is terrence mann well i think Shamit would be if they're willing to give him up yeah even then though i just wonder what his value is true yeah and you um, and i have both been higher on him than it seems like the general yeah, consensus and, 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 and i mean he i think he could really help these guys too but you know I, again if you're going if you're going with this idea that it has to be a point guard it, to me i don't think trying to trade for a point guard now makes a ton of sense i think you're much better off just trying to do that at the deadline see how this team comes together maybe maybe with Ty Lou and the same cast of characters come back and they dominate next well, year and you know, or, there's there's one other big reason to wait and that is remember that it's not as extreme as 2016 but a large portion of the league is hitting free agency in 2021 and what yep. that means is there could be a lot of guys that get bought out and Clippers point guard could be the you know the neon lights in the sky of like oh my god you could actually play on this team and rehabilitate your value and so somebody who's on and so the the crazy example of this that might end up happening is like I was going to bring up Derrick Rose as a trade possibility if the Pistons don't trade Derrick Rose the, that might be the best case scenario for the Clippers because then they could just get him in February or the equivalent of February so I guess that might be like June yeah so and, and this idea of a point guard so is this guy is going to play over Lou Williams are you trading Lou Williams 
chemistry because Lou Williams is pretty much a point guard on offense. He's not a great yeah. passer, he, he's, but he'll he can bring the ball the up. Like he's you know take some strain off of, of Kawhi at least. Now we hate him defensively, but what point guard are you getting in who's going to be so much better? That's the whole point of Patrick Beverly, right? Is he can really stand up and can switch, and he's going to be tough defensively, and he can still bring the ball up. You know, he's just not going to run pick and roll. Like I mean, does Kawhi Leonard need someone to like run a bunch of pick and rolls while he stands on the perimeter? Like that doesn't really make a ton of sense i mean now maybe you would like to be able to run like some small small pick and rolls or something with with Kawhi as the screener but i don't think this whole getting a point guard to play with Kawhi thing makes a ton of sense unless you move lou williams and then yeah you probably would it would be nice to have well and someone who can play a little more pick and, and i'm happy you brought up the lou williams thing because there is another angle on this that could be relevant and i've been thinking about the reporting from i believe it was jovan buha after the you know after the clippers whole thing fell apart this was some some of it was contextualized in doc river and the Clippers parting ways was the kind of old guard versus new guard stuff. And there is an opportunity for Warren's Frank. They've already changed their head coach, though Lou was on the staff. He doesn't have the same ties to the franchise long term that Doc Rivers did. That maybe in order to make this more Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's team, you move some of those players like Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell, who kind of represent who represent the way that things were and, and have that connection and like have opposition kind of to the team changing its tenor and that like that would be another potential reason to do it i will throw another name out at you and it is and i'm not saying i would think this would be a good move but i could be but you think about like when could these teams be pulling the same division on the rope and that is if the if the thunder really start changing direction old friend dennis schroeder could potentially be on the market they clippers would probably have to pay more you know it might be something where that involves you know like lou williams and yeah like, like lou williams basically is dennis schroeder right. he's probably like a better version oh i i agree but if but if part of it is that you also want to just like change the dynamic yeah that i mean schroeder's better defensively but yeah uh schroeder also is you know can't really switch or, or guard bigger players as well all of so, these yeah. all of these are fair concerns however it's like you yeah. know it's kind of gaming out where it could go yeah and, and i think like patty mills could be a decent fit there sure. uh you know they would have to uh, presumably magruder would be in that package and it would save the spurs some money against the tax as well they'd have to throw in a little bit more matching salary to get there uh, mills makes about 13 million or so if Corey joseph is less terrible over the first two months of the new season maybe <laughs> yeah uh th- th- that could be a thought as well so but i don't see this like move for a ball handler another three and d guy i mean i get you know if they bring back marcus morris they they've probably got enough there as if they've got jamichael green and as well i don't you know are they gonna go like would they be interested in jay crowder as a free agent eh, you know uh dario sharich if he becomes available i wouldn't mind having someone who can pass a little bit more you know sharich could just be an unrestricted free agent maybe that's someone that they could look at as well i like the Bertans idea although again i don't know if he's gonna be in that market range and if he closes games for you either at the absolute highest levels that we're talking about you know davis Bertans out there against anthony davis and lebron james in the conference finals he, he's a, he's a nice player but you'd still wonder about whether he can hold up there uh so i mean i think my ultimate thought would be all right we'll see what we can get with the mid-level hope harold's price isn't too high 
And for all this talking that we've done, go back with relatively your same group uh, if that's possible. Yeah, and then there would be an avenue potentially to change course around the trade deadline. They would at that point you could start to aggregate some of these guys and, and maybe go in a different direction. Then also have a much clearer sense of where the buyout market is going. So yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the most likely one, especially because the players who would theoretically be their best picks for the mid level for the full mid level are I mean whether that's done through tampering or not, I think they'll have a pretty good idea almost immediately whether they're interested in going to the Clippers for that it because there's so few teams on the market like they're they're davis bertans is going to have a pretty damn good idea of what's on the table for him right away same with danilo gallinari and a bunch of these other players i don't think it, it's not really going to be slow moving because there are so few parts and so that at that point then i think Lawrence frank in the front office should be able to know what they're working with. all right well that will do it for today a reminder to dunk down prime subscribers that we're going to be on a, a reduced schedule these next couple of weeks we'll get you at least one more pod this week uh, while Danny and I are taking a little bit of vacation with this odd hiatus between the finals and the draft we're not going to obviously get a chance to do a full off season this year uh, but stay tuned for our next pod later in the week and if you haven't signed up for Dunktown Prime please do so link is in the show notes talk to y'all soon at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.